This is it right here. Combining a team of reporters, columnists, and commentators. Don't you ever talk about me! Are you serious? Jack Ebling has brought thought-provoking discussion. What are you doing? That's a damn coaching mistake. Opinion. The customer is the one who decides when the future gets here. Oh, no! The ship is on fire! You have to check the report. Are you kidding me? That game was fixed. And overall infotainment. I'll take Jim Harbaugh. What has he done? Crazy Cooter coming at you. (laughs) (laughs) Quiet, please. In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Thanks, big fella. Don't you ever come back here again. No arguments. Those are called ass tunes. So buckle up. You talking to me? It's time for The Drive with Jack Ebling. Yeah, for some reason or another... You sound a little taller on radio. Great afternoon, MidMichigan and beyond. Welcome to The Drive with Jack, the Spotlight Radio Network, as we get ready for another big MidMichigan sports weekend. 90 degrees here, but breezy, uh, up to 17 miles an hour. It doesn't seem that hot, and it's dry, unlike uh, the next couple days. We're going to get uh, quite a bit of rain on Sunday, it looks like. Jack Ebling here with my producer today, Boston Rob. Rob, let's go right out to our guest line. Very happy to welcome in Desmond Ferguson, Mr. Moneyball. You know him for the Moneyball Sportswear and, of course, the Moneyball Pro-Am Summer League. Des, how are you? I'm good. How you doing? And always, Moneyball is in the building, baby. <laughs> Absolutely, and it was in the building last night over at Holt High School as well. Nice turnout. Yeah, yeah, Re- really, really good turnout. I didn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't expect we'd get that many people on uh, day one, but we did. It was, uh, it was packed up in there. People knew that you had been working with Cohen Carr on his jumping, and it showed. Oh, one thing I've never done with a student athlete is working on their jumping. <laughs> that was not uh, your strength, right? Yeah. Yeah, right, right. No, no. He, uh, he, uh, he's a, he's a, he's a show. He's a highlight. Let's talk a little bit about the whole Moneyball Pro Am concept, as and when this thing started, when you had the initial idea of what you wanted to do, how did you envision this? Yeah, it was uh, back in two thousand four. Uh, I envisioned it. Uh, based around college players, you know, I grew up playing at St. Cecilia in Detroit and Flint Pro-Am where that was based around a lot of, you know, pros and some college guys where we didn't have as many pro guys here in Lansing, but I still feel we had a lot of basketball enthusiasts and, you know, being a basketball city, you know, we had we had players and uh, at the time went and sat down with Izzo and let him know my vision and, you know, see if we can get MSU on board and we got them on board and throughout the years, you know, Oakland and Eastern and Western and Central and Michigan a little bit, and everybody has, has been on board. So uh, we built it around uh, college guys along with pro guys and, you know, junior college guys. So just just bringing some, a good brand of basketball here throughout the summer months that I felt basketball enthusiasts would, would be excited about and, and go check out. So seeing seeing last night was, uh, was a great thing. You know, those type of crowds you might get during their playoffs or championship, but to get that on day one, uh, you know, was, 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 was exciting. When you talked to Iz back in 04, did he tell you, hey, great idea, just don't let any of my guys get hurt? 
No, he doesn't. Uh, he, he, he didn't say that. You know, uh, obviously had a relationship. He recruited me a little bit in the, towards my senior year, but I was always going out and playing open gym with the guys at MSU, and you know, during my summers and, and off seasons. But no, he was. Uh, he 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 pretty you know much was down for the you know what we we're going to do in, in the vision, and and, they, and here we are, eighteen eighteen summers later, still at it. Uh, does it seem now that it's pretty close to what you envisioned or how has it changed? You've certainly gone from building to building and I think you found a great venue now. Yeah. Holt has been, uh, Holt high school, Holt public schools have been a great partner, you know, from leaving aim high, just a, a great venue for, uh, for basketball, for the fans, for the players, uh, and they got air, but you know, you wouldn't have known that yesterday. How does it was with everybody in there? Right. You know, packed, but, uh, right. you know, they've been, uh, you know, very supportive and, you know, we look to, you know, continue staying over at Hold over the years. Des, when Aim High closed, did you wonder, uh, are we going to go on with this? I'm sure that, you know, you've had some points where it wasn't the most appealing idea, but, you know, it's not like you're getting rich off this. In fact, you might be losing money in some cases. Right. Uh, when you think about that, were you ever close to pulling the plug? Uh, early on, before the aim high, before we made that switch to aim high, I was really thinking about pulling the plug because it just wasn't what I envisioned. You know, we were playing on weekends at the time. Everybody wanted to travel and leave on the weekends, including myself. <laughs> so, you know, the right. players weren't showing up consistent, and, you know, you got the players showing up consistent, the fans. But when we switched over to aim high and we switched to Tuesday and Thursdays in the summer where not much is going on, not much to compete with, no MSU football, no high school sports. You know, it kind of is MSU basketball. So, uh, so yeah, once we – you know, the, the pandemic is what, what stopped everything. But once uh, I knew Aim High was closing, I felt we would still go on. I just didn't know what venue would, would be at. And uh, luckily, we was able to land over at Hope. Did you look at some other places? Yeah, definitely. Definitely looked at some uh, other schools and venues. Um, but, uh, you know, re- really like where, where we're at. So looking to keep that going. But, yeah, you know, there's always, as long as you got gyms, there's there's options. And I think, uh, the you know, Money Bar Prime has grown to enough where, people know about it and, and, and know how we can add value to a specific venue as well. Now, it's not the early years when we were jumping from, you know, Everett to Sexton to Hill right, to Patton right. Gill. Um, so I think, you know, having one venue that people know where it's going to be at consistently helps as well. It's always <laughs> amazing to me, Des, how many people in this area think of this as a big part of their summer. And, uh, you know, they basically circled Tuesday and Thursday nights and, you know, somebody wants to do something, uh, it better be on Monday or Wednesday. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good to know that it's become, uh, you know, entertainment or in a place and something to do for people from all walks of life, young, old, no matter if you're black, white, you know, whatever, people coming out and uh, having a good time. It's a good family, you know, oriented, community-based event that's free to everybody, so, if you like basketball and, you know, and not just the MSU guys, obviously I think that's an attraction, but you see so many former local high school stars sure, and, and sure. professionals and guys from other, you know, schools and colleges that, that can play the game of basketball as well. So it's, uh, it's, it's, if you're a basketball fanatic, it's a, it's a fun time. There's nostalgia. It's a trip down memory lane. You're sitting there and you say, God, I remember watching that guy in high school and look at him, you know, he's in his thirties and, Maybe in some cases even older than that, and they can still hoop and, you know, made another three there. So uh, would you say that Moneyball went to a different level with Miles Bridges? 
Oh, no question about it. That's when it, you know, really took off. I think, uh, you know, with the success Draymond had, you know, early on, that was kind of like the beginning. Yeah. And then Miles just being, you know, the freak athlete that's great for all-star type summer league, you know, you know, it's going to have the dunks and the highlights that go viral, you know, in particular social media and how everything go viral, you know, now and at that time. I think that's when it really, you know, took off with that. Uh, and, and just overall that class, you know, saying that recruiting class. And, and here you are again, fast forward with another great recruiting class with MSU. So it's, it seemed like it's really when they have those athletic or not even just athletic, but star, you know, four or five star, you know, yeah. group of freshmen coming in that people are excited about and want to get a chance to see. And this year... There's a lot of interest, curiosity, not just Cohen Carr, but Xavier Booker, Jeremy Fears, and Garrick Norman, uh, the four members of this touted Michigan State class. And people are looking at uh, when the games are being played. It isn't just a matter of going over and catching a game or two. There are specific people they want to see, and they may have to be there for the 6 o'clock game and the 8 o'clock game. Yeah, you you know you know you know how it is. Sometime where you want to see one particular player, so they play at yeah. six o'clock and you watch that game and you leave. But now I think it's, uh, it's not not just the incoming guys, but the returning guys as well. Michigan State got a strong uh, roster all across the board, so you want to see how you know you know Trey Hollerman has you know pr- you know progressed from a freshman to a sophomore. You want to see how you know uh, Tyson Walker and AJ and those guys coming back. You know what steps are they taking? You know. Jackson Kohler, you know, reshaping his body. So all those things I think fans look at, uh, you know, uh, how, what, you know, from year to year, you know, how the players make a jump as well as just, you know, having a great income freshman class that, you know, people are excited about. As I was talking to Izzo a couple years ago about this, and I said, you know, Moneyball really helps your guys. And he was like, oh, you know, he wasn't <laughs> buying the idea of, a, you know, somebody going out there and scoring 43 points and, shooting and not playing a lot of defense. I said, no, no, no. I'm not talking about the basketball. That's your job. I'm talking about the interaction with people and them learning to relate to different people, meet people, socialize, take pictures, do all the things that they need to do to promote the program off the court. And I was watching the freshmen last night, and they were hanging in there. I mean, after the games were over, and, uh, you know, I thought that was a great sign. Yeah, I, I think that's that's really one of the major things that stick out. You know, it's, a, it's an intimate setting. You know, you can interact with players unlike, you know, going to maybe the, a Breslin game. And I, I think yeah. that kind of all started with, with, with Tum Tum, man. That group was real yeah. special, and they were real inviting and taking pictures with everybody, signing autographs, talking, hanging around. It's kind of carried over since then. But, yeah, you know, I think just the, the atmosphere and, and it being intimate like that and, being able to, you know, have a short conversation or take pictures, autograph with, you know, each and every yeah. player is was unique as well. Yeah, people start to collect them, but uh, you know, you mentioned Tom, and he was pretty special. Uh, he met people the first time, and he did everything but ask if he could cut their lawn. I mean, was, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, he was uh, uh, someone that is unforgettable. I want to talk to you about something else going on this year. From a business standpoint, and your new location, I missed the grand opening, but I stopped in the week after that, and you were out of town. You had just left for Chicago, but I talked to Ron and Mm -hmm. uh, got a look at all the stuff you've got there. 
Uh, how long did you want to have a, a, a new place, and how did you come up with that great place on West Saginaw? Yeah, yeah it's always been a, a goal, but starting in probably around 2020, you know, sometime around the pandemic, just driving by this area and, and you know, seeing how, you know, being on how, how bad the, the area yeah. looked, but also seeing, you know, opportunity of a, of a new building and, and for us ownership, you know. We've been in business 21 years now, and we've always leased our spaces and uh, just had a unique opportunity to purchase a, a space that was in a community that I feel that we could help uplift and grow and, um, and, and you know, um, put money back into as we, as we grow as a business because I'm a firm believer in, you know, giving back from which we come from, which are our community. So, yeah, just uh, just kind of having a vision of, and then it was, you know, the, the building was really rough, but I, I knew over time we could get it to how we wanted to because it was a, you know, pretty much a whole new build that we had to do. You know, anything outside, some of the bricks outside might be the same, but right. uh, six feet of water in the basement, the floor was caved in. And But, yeah, uh, you know, Sean Elliott and SE Growth, uh, Sean, a good friend of mine, he, he really helped lead this project and, 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 and turn around. But, yeah, so just, just passing every day, I think it's one of the last corridors and, in the city of Lansing, a high traffic area that hasn't been redeveloped. I mean, look at real town and old town. I think it has that type of potential and I want to kind of, you know, be one of the first ones to really get that going and revitalize in this area. You mentioned Sean Elliott and he is our landlord as well, uh, down at spotlight. And, uh, he's done so much for the city of Lansing. I want to give him a, a special shout out, but, uh, Hey, Rob, would you like to do a remote broadcast from Moneyball? You think we should go out there? Sounds good to me. Sign me up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got we, we got to have y'all. You got to have a drive with Jack in the building for sure. <laughs> it's only right. <laughs> Rob, would, would you look good in some of that Moneyball gear? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's cool to see all the new stuff come in. How often do you get uh, new lines, new brands, uh, and the stuff that you design, that's what's really cool because I will be in Detroit or Kalamazoo or, uh, you know, I've even seen it out of state, and I see that distinctive MB logo. Yeah. And, uh, or if you wear it around, someone will say, God, oh, that's really cool. Someone said, you know, it look, almost looks like a, a Batman logo. Yeah, right, 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 yeah. MB, said, yeah. Uh, no, that's not uh, BM, it's MB. I said, <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, – it's something that uh, if you're from Lansing, then then immediately you know that trademark. But in terms of getting uh, new lines in and things that uh, people haven't seen, what can you tell them about what's new for 2023? Yeah, we we usually get about two or three new collections a year. I mean, we pretty much plan for fall, winter, and spring, summer. But throughout those times, we have new drops and new releases. Uh, you know, having you know releasing opening this new store, a new headquarters. On a 517 day, May 17th, you know, we couldn't open a new location and not have new apparel and new gear. Right. So, right. Yeah, we pretty much, I mean, everything is pretty much new at a new headquarters. And then uh, we dropped different things. Like we just dropped some some new socks uh, yesterday. Uh, we have a collab coming up uh, with Fago again. We're dropping some T-shirts. We did some hoodies back in the winter, but we're doing some T-shirts that we collab with Fago. Uh, and just, you know, various summer items until it gets to fall. And then it's more so hoodies and joggers and sweatsuits and, you know, leggings and uh, jackets for the for the ladies. But, yeah, we got a number of new things for men, uh, women, and, and children. So, you know, we 
we're suggesting, you know, like for people to come out and check out our new location if they haven't, if they don't own a you know, Moneyball item or if they can't get to the store, they can always, always go to moneyballsportswear.com right. on our website. Yep. Sure. You talk about Fago and Team Fago, uh, one of the six teams for 2023. Des, I remember when it was just the colors. I mean, you had team, green, <laughs> yep, team yep. black and now, uh, you know, the, everybody wants to be part of this thing. So that's great. How often do you have someone come in and say, I, I got my own design or I've got an idea for a design and I need your help. And then you take it from there. Yeah, we have a great in-house designer, Jeffrey Sykes, who's been with us for probably about almost 10 years now. And, you know, I, I can't take credit for that, but he, he has all our design for our uniforms. And, uh, you know, that's, that was part of the you know program, you know, before we just had kind of like right. the same style but, but different colors. And, and that was his idea to really getting creative and, and show that, that piece of the business that we do. You know, you know, a lot of people don't know that. That's, that's you know, sort of, you know, that's probably about 65% of our business, the custom uniform side. And we, we do it really yeah. well with in-house design and great quality, great turnaround, great price points. But, yeah, it, it gives a chance to show off a different part of our business, you know, within the program with, with the uniforms. How many teams uh, have you designed uniforms for or, or supplied uniforms for? It seems like uh, more and more I'm seeing that. Yeah, I mean, it's thousands of it. You know, when you talk about the area, which, you know, uh, you know, obviously Everett, you know, the school in Lansing, Michigan, Lansing Everett High School, that is. <laughs> uh, uh, we, you know, Eastern High School and, uh, you know, uh, Sexton, Waverly, you know, Hope Football, you know, DeWitt Soccer Club, when you talk about the young ones, Lansing, Common, you know, soccer. So, I mean, we many, yeah. many teams and programs, you know, around the area. And, you know, really got started with, you know, from Sandown University, Detroit, and doing a lot of Detroit public school teams and, and, and teams in the, in the east side of the state. And, but now, you know, all over the, the country and even in different countries. So, you know, I, I don't know the exact number, but over the years, it's obviously been, you know, thousands of uniforms that we do in, in all sports, not just basketball. You know, soccer, football, track, baseball, volleyball, you name it, we do it. You know, you mentioned Lansing Everett, and not only was that your home as a player before you went to uh, Missouri and Detroit and then on to pro basketball, but that's where you coached. And I still tell people, Des, that that game, when you beat defending champion Muskegon, mm-hmm. Deontay Davis, uh, and I'm not just saying this. That was as well coached a game as I've ever seen on the high school level. I've never seen a defending state champion look so flummoxed. Uh, they couldn't get into their sets. They could barely get the ball over half court. And if they could have waved the white flag, they would have. Yeah, appreciate it. That was that's one of those. You know, looking back at you know my short stint in a sense, five years as a coach. That was one of those games that that really stick out uh, and really proud of, you know, my guys and the city of Lansing, how everybody supported and, you know, the crowd that was there. I yeah. remember, oh, you know, yeah. Denzel and them guys that was playing at State at the time, baseline watching yeah. the game and sold out, you know, lying around the corner outside, couldn't get in. Like, yeah, that was one of those yeah. throwback type of, you know, atmosphere in games. One of the toughest tickets I've ever seen in mid-Michigan. I mean, seriously, uh, they were around the corner of the Don Johnson Fieldhouse heading out toward the street. Do you miss coaching? Nope. <laughs> Not at all. Huh? Short, short answer is no. I, you know, I miss, uh, you know, establishing some of those relationships and the camaraderie with the fellas, 
uh, miss some of the development, and, you know, some of the, the bigger games, and you know, the you know not being able to you know play at that level anymore, but to have that type of excitement and in, in rush. But uh, the overall, just time and commitment is just too much. You know, I still can't get enough you know time to do what I need to do in 24 hours, and right. you know, the coach at the high school level and do it right and and have a successful program. It's a, a lot of man hours and physical hours that goes into that. Well, you let your assistant Dale Beard take care of that stuff now, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now he got that. No, no, I ain't gonna say problem, but now he has that responsibility over at over at Sexton. Hey, Rob, we are talking to a soon-to-be Greater Lansing Area Sports Hall of Famer, long overdue. He is going to be inducted with the class of 2023 at the Lansing Center. Congratulations. On that, I was talking with Lindsey Huddleston, who deserves a lot of credit uh, for a, a brilliant nomination that he made. Um, but uh, I think you're going to have a lot of your players from last night who are going to be showing up to see you be inducted. Yeah, well, don't don't shortchange yourself either, man. You you've been uh you know fighting to you know nominate and get me in there for some years as well. So I appreciate both you and Lindsey. Uh, you know, doing that, you know, and, and, you know, being, having that honor to be in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, looking forward to that, you know, when you talk about the guys that I played with at Everett, uh, the kids that I coached at Everett and, you know, from the pro-am to the basketball clinic that we've been doing over the years. So been able to, you know, touch lives and been able, and I've been affected in a positive way by many lives here in the Lansing area, uh, you know, through, through, through the game of basketball and sports in general. So I'm, I'm definitely appreciative and, you know, looking forward to it. No truth to the rumor that Kevin Garnett, who gave you the nickname Moneyball, is coming back to do the introductory speech. That's not true. Oh, yeah, hey, that would be great. That would be, uh, you know, you see him on social media and his shows now. He's a, he's still yeah. a character he was, you know, way back yeah. in '95 when we graduated. Uh, but yeah, that would be that would be dope. I remember the first time I met him. It was at a, a U.S. against the World All Star Game. And he had the biggest personality. I mean, you know, people would go and they'd be going to do interviews, and it wouldn't matter. They'd wind up right back with Kevin Garnett. So it's uh, kind of the way he's wired. Des, yeah. congratulations on another great start to a great summer of basketball. No basketball Tuesday, right? I want to make that clear. Yeah, no, no, yeah. We, we're, we're taking off uh, Tuesday, July 4th. Uh, we'll say everybody happy holidays, have a good long weekend, and then we're back at it Thursday, July 6th. See you next Thursday at Holt High School. Yes, indeed. Six o'clock sharp, six, seven, eight, three games until uh, we'll go every Tuesday and Thursday until August 3rd. We will be right back with Corey Robinson, who, by the way, was over at the Moneyball Pro-Am last night at Holt High School watching uh, the Michigan State players for the most part. We'll be back to talk with him about Spartan football recruiting up next on The Drive with Jack. To everyone who enjoys a sweet treat, Culver's team member Brooke is crafting one for you, Wisconsin style. When I serve you a creamy fresh frozen custard treat, it's that handcrafted kind of goodness, like our Simply Sweet Cones or Dishes, Craveably Thick Shakes, and Handcrafted Concrete Mixers. You know those, it's so good, want a bite kind of treats? Come to Culver's for a Wisconsin favorite made just for you. From From Wisconsin Wisconsin with with love, love, welcome to Delicious. Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping experience for Spartan fans. 
with everything you need to show your Michigan State pride. They have the largest and best selection of apparel for the entire family. Nike, Cutter and Buck, Columbia, Champion, plus their two for $38 tees. And you can't miss their great gifts and accessories. Make sure your family is game ready. Check them out in Lansing's Eastwood Town Center or anytime at alumnihall.com. That's Alumni Hall, where Spartan fans shop. Time for a career change? Looking to make a difference? Dean Transportation is looking for compassionate people to join our dedicated team of school bus professionals. Dean Transportation has immediate openings and offers paid training to obtain a commercial driver's license. With increased starting pay, benefit packages, flexible scheduling with weekday hours, and more, Dean Transportation may be the career choice for you. No experience needed. Apply now and train all summer. Head to DeanJobs.com. So, it's been a while since you've had your jewelry cleaned and inspected, right? Where will you go and who will you trust with your most valuable and treasured heirlooms? At Meadowar Jewelers' four locations in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage, jewelry isn't just our job, it's our passion. Each and every piece entrusted in our care is thoroughly inspected by our trained staff against damage or normal wear. And we offer you, our customer, the highest level of quality on repairs and custom designs. Whether it's worn-out prongs, channels, or shanks, it's all handled with incredible care. Medawar Jewelers in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage want to help you preserve your memories and offer you options on creating new ones. Come in today for the cleaning and inspection of your jewelry. We continue to work hard every day to earn your confidence and trust. Jack Ebling with my good friend Matt Sloan at Graph of Okemos. Matt, I see that the lots are filling up and showroom is too. Yes, finally. Lots are getting full. We're ready to sell some cars, Jack. And you got some new vehicles. Some news about the Silverado and the Colorado. That's exactly right. We have the all-new, completely redesigned 2024 three-quarter ton Silverado. And then we also have the all-new, completely redesigned Colorado. Both fantastic vehicles. We're really excited. And then on the Nissan side, we've got the all-electric Aria, which is on the ground right now. That thing is absolutely fantastic. And seen technology like that ever before. Stop and see Matt and the gang on West Grand River and Okemos. They're making friends. When you want Spartan gear, Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping destination. They always deliver the best and newest selection of apparel for the whole family. Nike, Cutter and Buck, Columbia, Champion, plus accessories, Yeti, hats, and all things Spartan. Spartan students, faculty, and military enjoy 10% off in-store every day. Check them out in Lansing or at alumnihall.com to make sure you are game ready. It's Alumni Hall, where Spartan fans shop. To everyone who wants a meal made just for you, let our team member Arish share what makes Culver's special. We know the best meals are the ones shared with the people you love, like our cooked-to-order butter burgers and our real Wisconsin cheese curds. And there's no better way to treat yourself than our creamy, fresh, frozen custard. I put the same care into your meal that I would for my own family. Come to Culver's for a meal made the Wisconsin way. From From Wisconsin Wisconsin with love, welcome to Delicious. Boyne Golf presents Michigan's Magnificent Ten. Ten extraordinary courses set among three incredible resorts with plenty of wide open spaces where the extra long days let you play and play and play. And when you're done, a variety of amenities and charming towns await. 
The golf's so varied, the accommodation's so welcoming, each visit's a new experience. So visit BoingGolf.com to plan your time here. That's BoingGolf.com. Welcome back. It is the Drive with Jack Spotlight Radio Network. Jack Eblin here with my producer, Boston Rob. Rob, uh, sorry you could not get out there last night uh, to hold high school. That was more my fault than anyone else's. Ah, Boy, no worries. Like plenty, of, plenty of summer night. basketball and the money ball still to come. Looking forward to it. There you go. Uh, you'll feel better when you're wearing uh, one of those money ball shirts. Always. Uh, I want to welcome in a guy who was there last night. Corey Robinson, recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports, Spartan Tailgate Premium site, provides great coverage for Michigan State recruiting. Corey, we got some news this afternoon of a commitment, a basketball commitment. It wasn't quite what people might be thinking. Can you tell us a little bit about Julianne Woodard? Um, yeah, I saw that today. Uh popped up it looks like she's one of the the better players in the the midwest at least maybe even the country uh so she's six foot a forward kind of a power forward but looks like she can shoot the ball really good so yeah yeah, they're doing a a really good job with that class they got three commitments in it already and all of them are pretty uh talented uh basketball players so I, i think you're starting to kind of see uh the effects of uh the new coaching staff over there already real quickly yeah i i checked out some some of the highlights uh for julianne and she has a very quick release six foot as you mentioned so you know it's about average size for a big 10 forward and uh, she can play inside no question but when she works the perimeter uh, I think Matilda Eck did some of that for Michigan State. And I think Woodard's release is even quicker. So be interesting to see how she does with Coach Robin Fralick. Yeah, um, yeah. Michigan State, yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I said, yeah, definitely that's what I kind of picked up too is uh, while she's obviously a force inside, uh, looks like her, her big calling card could be the, the work that she's able to do stretching the defenses and uh, opening things up for them guards. Well, let's talk a little bit about Michigan State basketball recruiting. And, uh, you know, off to a good start. But there are some big names out there that Michigan State is involved with. And uh, uh, I've, I've heard that uh, don't count Michigan State out with Bryson Tucker, who's ranked, I think, the number three player in the country. We've all heard about Koa Pete the son of Cassius Pete out in Arizona. And then you've got uh, Jesse McCollum. You've got commits, and you've even got players in the state uh, who are national recruits. So, uh, you know, Michigan State is always going to be as aggressive as possible with high school recruiting. The difference this year, Corey, is used to be it, it was a mini coaches convention. Now... Izzo goes out and recruits all these tournaments, and there aren't many coaches there. I mean, there are coaches, seriously, who have not been out this summer yet. And he goes out, and he stands out even at his height. 
just being there to watch these kids. And, you know, maybe some other coaches are just saying, we're going to wait and we'll pluck the portal. Yes, definitely. I wonder if that's kind of a theory on that, but it is kind of weird because you, you would think that uh, that that part of your job is something that you would always want to do because most people, especially <laughs> of course more than most even, but most people uh, that are coaches would want to build through the high school ranks and use the uh, portal as a supplement just because I think that's probably your, your better long-term success way to do things rather than uh, – Right. getting that guy for one year or whatever. But, but I mean, yeah, I guess each to their own, but I, I would definitely stick to the way that uh, Izzo is doing it and getting out there and seeing the kids and being able to build those relationships because, I mean, what we we learned too is that, uh, you know, the tape only tells you so much. That, that's only showing you what, what they're doing well. So right. getting out there and seeing the whole game, you get to see – their struggles you get to see how they react to things how they're around teammates so all of that stuff's a, a lot more important than just relying off the tape <laughs> well tom will take transfers on a selective basis took tyson walker and he came in immediately he got bren forbes he came in on a special exemption but joey hauser had to wait had to sit out a year and uh he would prefer to recruit from the high schools if he can. Uh, don't know how much more of that he's going to do, but I think you see with Mel Tucker and even Adam Nightingale, they didn't have a choice. They didn't have the uh, system that Izzo had built. So to have a competitive roster, they had to go to the portal, and we see that that can work. doesn't always work. But it can be a, a big advantage if you do it right. Yeah, it spe- speeds up the process. And like you mentioned, uh, Izzo's been here forever, so his foundation was set set a couple decades ago. So for him, you know, he's kind of been able to get it the old-fashioned way. But with uh, Mel Tucker, you know, he, Michigan State didn't necessarily have the uh, the greatest recruiting classes, the final uh four years, three years of uh, the D'Antonio tenure here. So you had to kind of speed up the, the process a little bit, at least by adding in some guys to kind of fill out the roster and hope it works. I think you've seen it work both ways for them. Obviously, Kenneth Walker uh, was a grand slam addition to the class, sure. uh, made the program, uh, set that up for that year that he was here. But then you had some other guys that maybe they – he found out why they were in the portal. So I think it's evolving. Uh, you got to really trust your evals. And I think, uh, I think the, the newer staff too, I'm, I'm interested to see how they approach the transfer portal differently than uh, the previous recruiting staff. Just do they go with more of approach of finding, you know, that guy that maybe he played at a smaller school or even FCS and had a ton of success as opposed to the guy that maybe it didn't work out for him at Alabama or Georgia or, you know, another power five program. So that's something uh, that we won't really know the answer to until this winter when, when we go back to it, but that's definitely something that I'm keeping an eye on uh, to see if we see a different transition. Well, I think Michigan state's starting running back 
there's a good chance he's going to be a guy from UConn. Yeah. Just not uh, like recruiting from an SEC school. And again, you know, Izzo doesn't want to do this. Uh, and, you know, he kind of uh, scrunches up his face when, when you talk about uh, the transfer portal. But uh, you got to remember, he's been here 40 years. This will be his 40th season on campus. Do you think we're ever going to see another Big Ten coach the same place 40 years? Uh, no, I, I can't imagine imagine that, especially with how how much people jump around a little bit more in the profession now and guys getting out of it just because, you know, they, they're either tired of the grind or whatever. So, yeah, I think, I mean, I can't ever say never in sports, but but I wouldn't expect to see someone with this big long of a tenure anymore just because it kind of seems like guys are more interested in getting out early and kind of taking whatever earnings they had and just enjoying their life a little bit more. You know, a little aside on this, Corey. Uh, we went and did the Sean Respert Charity Golf Classic uh, Monday uh, in Ada, Michigan, and a tremendous collection uh, of West Michigan Spartans showed up, tons of former basketball players. So we were sitting around with Sean and John Garavaglia, Damon Bethea, and and, uh, Thomas Kelly came in. And so Thomas is sitting there, and we're just telling stories about the past. And he looks at me, and he says, man, you've been here forever. (laughs) And I said, you know, God, I'm not that old. And then I realized... I got to Michigan State 14 years before Tom Izzo. Then I really <laughs> felt old. But, yeah, yeah the, long, uh, long time. The, the Jetty era, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember, uh, I think I've told this story in the last week or so, but uh, Judd's first year, they played North Carolina. And this was a big deal. I mean, you had Dean Smith come in and, he had Phil Ford and Tom Lagarde and, you know, some, some great, great players. And Judd was all excited about having them come into Jenison. Well, there was a blizzard, and a lot of people couldn't get there. But, you know, we, we showed up, and there were only about 6,000 people at the game. Judd was crushed. And uh, went up to him a little bit later, and I said, hey, Judd, you know, uh, I know that really bummed you out, but I know how you can get a full house for your games. And he got his attention. He perked up. And he said, how's that? And I said, well, you know, Eastern and Everett played here, and they sold the place out. Why don't you play like the JV game before that? And then, uh, you know, a lot of people will be here for that, and then they'll see your team too. That was a dumb thing to say, and I got punched so hard, Corey. Um, the back of my arm, it had a knot for about two weeks. <laughs> Trying to be a smart ass, but anyway. <laughs> Let's talk a little more about football because uh, the commitments coming in bunches, it was three not too long ago, and then five, and then six, seven, and now it's nine with the Lonieski twins. Uh, what about the future here? And Michigan State seemed to be lagging so far behind. Now, hey, there are a lot of other schools, uh, big-name schools, including Texas has fewer than Michigan State. 
Alabama, I think, has one fewer than Michigan State. Uh, maybe they're recruiting a little different caliber of kid who's going to commit at the very end. But there are a number of schools now that are around 8, 9, 10 uh, pledges. And uh, Michigan State has several more players who are getting close to making decisions, prospects that they feel good about. Can you tell us about the next couple of weeks now that the official visits of June are over? Yeah, that's uh Looking back at it, it's kind of played out. I think this is the fifth Friday I've been on with you, and uh, throughout it, well, they had three, and then they had five. The number I'd always put out there was if you're at 10 to 12 by uh, the season, then, you know, you're about where you want to be. At least you're a little bit more comfortable there. Uh, They're at nine right now, and then you have uh, Justin Denson, the cornerback out of uh, Rhode Island, I think he's going to actually play next year in Pennsylvania, but he, he announces tomorrow. Uh, he's the guy with the top five of Alabama, Texas A&M, Florida, and uh, I'm missing one, Oklahoma. So, the Slim Reaper, right? Yeah, the Slim Reaper. So he announces tomorrow. Uh, Justin, Steven, and I put in our crystal ball pick for him last night. We probably could have put him in a while ago, but I just wanted to check on a few things uh, ahead of time. Uh, so if they get him, that gives them a double digit. Uh, Henry Hasselback, the quarterback, uh, Matt wow. Hasselback's uh, son, uh, he's, he should be committing very, very soon here. Uh, and I like Michigan State there. We put a pick in with him already. Um, His dad just got fired today. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. I did. Uh I don't know if it changes his uh, his expected timeline. If they they grieve with that, or if they they try and flip the the family mojo, and he just sticks on task with when he's going to. But uh, he's one that you can see pretty soon making a decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we got what's the other one? Uh, Tremar Harris. He announces today. I think he's going to go uh, to Purdue, which. Okay. Uh, wide receiver indiana guy right yeah uh yeah. ohio ohio, uh, ohio. So, yeah ohio. so he's one of those ones where i know we talked like where he's like if you you get them you're happy you got someone if you miss on them it's not really one of those ones yeah. that make or break you because he's not a, he's not like a, a nick marsh who has a decision on july 7th where that's a different level type of wide yeah. receiver that you really want to get or Javarius Green was another one that we've talked about on the show, the right. different level type of guy. So, right. So, so I mean, obviously they would have liked to get Harris, but at the end of the day, he wasn't going to make or break the the wide receiver recruiting class. So, uh, they probably move on from that one. And then, like I mentioned, Nick Marsh, he's announcing on July seventh. That one is down to just Michigan State and Pittsburgh is what we've been hearing uh, with okay. Michigan State with the edge there. Uh, Pittsburgh's kind of staying in it, being aggressive with their uh, mm-hmm. their NIL packaging, uh, okay. trying to trying to sweeten the pot. But I don't know that there's anything outside of the NIL that's really that appealing to playing at Pittsburgh for him. So mm-hmm. uh, outside of them finding an offer that he can't refuse, I would expect that Michigan State could get some good news there uh, from Marsh on June seventh and or July seventh and coming back into the class again, which is uh, kind of a rarity. What about the West Coast 
visitors. Uh, a lot of people been following uh, Jason Brown Jr., another four-star running back. They already have uh, Scooter Curry, but it would be very unusual for Michigan State to have two four-star running backs commit at the same time. And then the linebackers from California, and I guess there's an offensive lineman who visited uh, yeah. who is not close to a decision yet, right? Uh, yeah, so the, we'll start with the offensive lineman. Uh, DeAndre Carter, he's a top 100 offensive lineman. He's kind of the, yeah. the last guy on the board for Michigan State at offensive line since they have the four kids that committed into the class already. Um, but he's actually an interesting one because I know he is planning on – waiting a little bit but uh i don't know we haven't heard if it's gonna speed it up or not but we've seen a couple of the top teams for him fall off the list because they got a couple commitments from other people in usc and texas so i'm not sure that they're gonna go after him anymore so and and michigan Is he a State's guard gonna, or a tackle Corey? uh he's a guard he's a big okay. big kid but uh but yeah so i think that one it comes down right now is probably Michigan State and Auburn towards the top. Obviously, other teams can jump in it, but uh, Michigan State's in a real good spot following that visit. His, uh, his parents really like the education aspect of it and how they laid that out for him. So, so Michigan State's got a legitimate shot with him, and I think it gotten even better since he came home from the official visit just with uh, some things happening at the other two schools that I mentioned. Uh, Jason Brown, uh, He's a top 100 uh, kid in the country running back out of uh, Seattle, Washington. Uh, we put a crystal ball pick in for him uh, a couple of days after he wrapped up his official visit. Uh, Michigan State's in a real good spot with him going into what uh, we're, we're being told is most likely a July or August decision for Jason Brown. And if he stays with that timeline, uh, Michigan State's in a pretty good spot. He's going to take a couple unofficials at the end of July, uh, one to Oregon, which I could see that one not happening because they're looking good for a couple running backs that are elsewhere that they might have commitments from them before then. And then Washington, which I think is the main competition for him. Uh, but I think Michigan State's good with him. Uh, the linebackers, they had two of them from California. Uh, Kamar Masudi, right. uh, who's out of Valley Village, California. I think, yeah. if I recall correctly, video. you're the one that said he, yeah. he's got the best tape of everybody out of the yep. 27 or 28 visitors, in your opinion, you like the most. Yeah, jumps uh, out of me the way Justin Hall did, actually, from IMG. But um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, th- but, I think uh, Michigan State's in a great spot with him. Uh, uh, we've kind of, he's talked to, a, he visited Oregon. I think it's Oregon and Michigan State are the top two for him. Uh, I'm not going to say that he is this good, okay? Yeah. Uh, whenever I make one of these comparisons, uh, I get burned. Cause people, hey, everybody said this guy's the <laughs> next one. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you watch him and you watch him play both sides of the ball, I think he's a terrific running back. It reminds me of the first time I saw T.J. Duckett. Okay. Who was a tremendous, tremendous high school linebacker, and I got a, a story you'll appreciate on this. Uh, Duckett was a freshman, and we're sitting in Chicago at the Big Ten kickoff meetings, and uh, one of your colleagues, uh, 
Jim Comperoni was sitting at the table. And uh, Nick had kind of gone through maybe two waves of media, and there were just a few of us stragglers there. And I said, hey, what are you going to do with Duckett? And he says, I don't know. He wanted to clone him. But I think he was going to play him on defense. And then uh, Comp said something, and Nick says, you know, what would you guys do? And we said, I'd find out if he had a twin. And the uh, next thing you know, he's moved from linebacker. He was a high school option quarterback. You can believe that. And they had a, a, a running back there named Little John Flowers, who also played at Michigan State. But uh, he made the transition and uh, didn't stay a linebacker. He moved right to running back. And by the end of his freshman year, he was scoring four touchdowns in a game against Penn State. So. Uh, that that's the kind of athlete Kamar Mathudi is. Yeah, yeah. I was watching his tape compared to some of the other guys because uh, uh, I kind of like to compare like the guys that are coming up or at the top to try and yeah. if you watch them right next to each other, it kind of yeah. gives you a better feel for what you're seeing. And yeah. uh, like so, I did that with like Mathudi and uh, uh, Jeremiah Beasley, who just went to committed to Michigan because they both play running back on offense right. and linebacker on uh, defense. And uh, I think there, if anybody wanted to do that uh, theory and check it out, see how it is, do the experiment and let me know. I'm pretty sure I know which one you're going to come out and it's not going to be a real close race of which one you, you think is better. But yeah, he, he's a good one. And I think Michigan State's in a, a, a very good spot uh, with him. Uh, he kind of told us uh that after taking all of his official visits that he had the most fun on his Michigan State one and uh, he planned on announcing in June uh, I think today actually uh, he was going to announce and that kind of was going to be Oregon it was supposed to be but he he enjoyed that Michigan State visit so much that he decided to uh, push it back his decision back till sometime in July just so he has more time to think about it so Michigan State's kind of surging there a little bit and then uh, the other linebacker was Dylan Williams from uh, Long Beach Poly, which is one of the better schools in California. Uh, those guys have kind of talked about being a package deal. I don't know that that's necessarily uh, the case. Uh, yeah. A lot of people have brought up points that they play the same linebacker position. So like they talk about wanting to be together, and they could obviously do that. But at the end of the day, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you see a split where one goes to Oregon right. and one goes to Michigan State, and Michigan State would take uh, take care of those guys all day, yeah, every day. Yeah. So, so yeah, they're, if they can at least get the split, I think that's a, a big win for them. And then they can kind of, if they have to go find that second linebacker in the class, they have plenty of time and not as much pressure because you have one one star linebacker already in the fold. Corey, uh, this has been a lot of fun, and uh, I want to keep doing this, at least through recruiting season. Stephen Brooks has resurfaced after his wedding month. We saw him last night, and uh, he looks rested, smiling, not complaining as much. Uh, uh, I asked him if he was ready to come back on the show, but I wanted to tell him that uh, he can only come back on if it's okay with you, because you've taken his place, and so he's got to get that cleared with you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, get him while he's fresh. Still, he he looked like he had a 
a couple couple years off his life and must have been getting a lot of lot of sleep while he was on that honeymoon. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I know. He's he said, you know, he was nervous, but everything went uh, so well, and uh, she hasn't left yet. So it's uh, you know, so far so good. Yeah, that's how I kept telling him. I said, just uh, just enjoy it. It's, it's going to go the way it's going to go. You're not going to control it. And he said that that it. Everything went good, and he said it was even better than he expected. So we're all happy for him. And like uh, I told him, if he if it doesn't work out for him, though, that uh, the next uh, the next wedding can't be during June, the busiest month of the That's year. That's right. That's <laughs> right. You're right. Corey, thanks so much. Uh, you'll have a story out on uh, on Denson whenever that is uh, is ready. Right? That's going to break soon. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be tomorrow, and then uh, I would keep an eye on Hasselbeck. Uh, I think okay. he's a guy that's going to have a decision coming up pretty quickly here too, as long as uh, uh, his the, and the problem that his dad had right. getting being right. on that list it didn't slow anything down. But but yeah, those two are the the next two to keep an eye on, and then uh, Nick Marsh on July seventh. Sounds great. Thanks so much. We're going to stay right here, Rob. And welcome in one of my favorite guys. It was great to talk with him last night. I'm walking into Moneyball, and uh, I hear somebody behind say, Mr. Ebling. And Mr. Ebling, first of all, is my dad, so I don't, but I turn around, and it's Tuck, Charles Tucker, right? So we walk in, and I hadn't seen him in a couple months, and we're talking about basketball and the Monty Bates and everything, and. I said, uh, how's Cha-Cha? And he says, well, I'm talking to him on the phone right now. So I got a chance to talk to Cha, and uh, we set up this interview. So I want to welcome in Charles Tucker, Jr. Uh, you remember him from his days at Lansing Eastern and then college basketball. Now very successful in the business world. Uh, high roller. Uh, you're living in Chicago, right? Yes, I am, and uh, thank you, Mr. Ebling and, and crew, for uh, having me. I'm very grateful to be home, even though it's only by way of phone. So, And I understand that you're living with someone that a lot of our listeners would know, somebody you've been friends with forever. Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I do uh, room with uh, Jabari Parker, um, and it's um, more like a brother. And, um, yeah. you know, I've, uh, yeah, between there and uh, I have a, a, a property elsewhere in Chicago. But, um, yeah, I have yeah. a family here and friends, so it's good. You know, Jabari had a, a great run at Duke. But I always thought as much as any player who was recruited by Michigan State and did not come here, he would have been a great Spartan. And I think he wanted to come to Michigan State for a while. Maybe it was to be around Cha-Cha, but he wanted uh, uh, to soak up some of the Spartan love, too. And mm-hmm. was that ever close to happening? Oh, it was It was, uh, It was. was one one phone call away, or, you know, you never know, like, what the exact variable is, but yeah. it was one something away from happening, for sure. It was, uh, it was a very on-the-fence decision, so I know yeah. that for a fact. I know that one of his parents had a health condition. It was something about the the Duke Medical School and something else. And uh, 
uh, even at his press conference where he announced what he was going to do, I think there was a, a little look in his eye when he got the questions about uh, Michigan State. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, he's not done playing, right? I mean, he could he could still could surface and see him in the NBA. Oh yeah, I mean, I I think uh, I think this past year has been uh, a very good year for him from a standpoint of just um, just kind of recalibrating and um, yeah. uh, because we are like brothers and as close. As we are, I'm probably his biggest critic. Um, <laughs> all, always in private, I, you know. I, I don't out my friends in public, but I'm his biggest critic, and you know, I have no problem um, saying that I've never seen him in this type of shape ever. Wow. Um, I've known him since we were 12 years old, and I mean, he looks like Iron Man, and um, in a healthy way, uh-huh. in a basketball healthy way, and um, you know, I'm, I'm very yeah. proud of him and very. Uh, excited. Um, obviously, it's, it's public. He's had uh, some traction from, you know, the the Suns and um, from several other teams. Um, but right. I think, uh, I, unbiasedly speaking, I feel like you know whoever gets him will definitely get a get a steal. A great locker room guy, a great contributor, and uh, someone that genuinely, actually loves and cares about the game past the glitz and the glamour. We talk about guys and new teams and on the move, all those kinds of things, Cha. It looks like the Pistons might be the spot for Joe Harris from Brooklyn, who mm-hmm. can be uh, a great long-range shooter. And yep. with the Pistons in the draft, they went for Osar Thompson, who's a mm-hmm. very athletic wing. They need some wing defense, no question. But they also need some outside shooting, and, Joe Harris might be a, an ideal fit for the Pistons with Cade Cunningham and uh, Jaden Ivey and uh, all all the guys that they have there now. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, someone had literally just told me about Joe Harris maybe an hour ago, and I know it's still fairly yeah. new, um, uh, uh, newly surfacing, but, I mean, Joe Harris has a great reputation in the NBA as far as just being a solid yeah. Uh, teammate, as well as obviously doing right. what he does best, which is shooting the three ball. And so, um, right. you know, I think really, you know, with Detroit, uh, to have a veteran guy like him around um, only adds to how scary or how dangerous the Pistons can be. Obviously, they've taken some lumps, um, you know, didn't have a good right. year by any stretch of the imagination uh, last season. But right. uh, I think they were in the top five youngest teams. Um, in the league, and you know, uh, is even though the players are getting younger, it's still a man's league. Um, you know, very rarely do you see anybody below year three. You know, really just shape shift the league. Um, yeah. You know, obviously you have your anomalies. You know, your Lucas, and um, you know, even Giannis didn't really come fully alive until year four or five. Um, right, and so, right. you know, it's still a man's league. You can come in at 18, but, you know, you can put up a lot of stats, but as far as meaningful stats and stats that lead you to winning and uh, a nice bottom line, um, it uh, it's hard to do with a young team. But I think the Pistons have a very dangerous depth chart. I think they have a lot of young uh, talent, obviously, is, uh, you know, Cade's uh, – 
uh, leg injury is, you know, recovering, hopefully. You know, you have, you know, IV that is kind of a combo. And Thompson, who is really impressive to me, he's wiry, plays the passing lanes, very athletic, mm-hmm. um, kind of a Jason Richardson, Terrence Ross type of uh, potential. Um, and obviously, the, I mean, in the in the front court, uh, I, I mean, in the, yeah, in the, in the back court, or front court, it's, it's, I mean, you have James Wiseman and Jalen Duran. It's, that's scary right. in and of itself. Obviously, we live in a volatile league where guys are never really with any team uh, more than two years unless you're a superstar, and even then, even not even then at sometimes. And so, I would love right. to see a, a young core like the Pistons um, stick around and just kind of stick it out, kind of block out that outside noise. And uh, they could definitely be a force um, if, if they were to stay together for at least two more seasons. You know, that's what the Denver Nuggets did, Ja. Uh, this <clears> didn't happen overnight. Uh, Nikola Jokic was drafted in 2014, stayed over in Europe another year, got there in 15, and then they got Jamal Murray. And, and it wasn't an instant thing. In fact, some people were saying, you know, is this going to work? But they had a plan. They stuck to it. I want to ask you about a couple of other point guards who could be on the move. What do you think of their game, uh, maybe in terms of uh, historical sense and what they have left, and where they should play next year? What do you think about mm-hmm. Damian Lillard? And people are saying, oh, he's got to go to Miami, and now it's uh, maybe it's, uh, you know, they've got another home. Maybe Brooklyn, they're talking about doing some things there. Where do you see Dame Lillard, and, and uh, how will he be remembered? First word that comes to mind when I think of uh, Damian Lillard is loyalty. Um, I think he's been very parallel to how we viewed Kevin Garnett with Minnesota, um, Mm -hmm. where he was there during some semi-promising years and also there during the dog years. And nonetheless, he's been nothing but a stand-up guy. He's been... uh, not to be redundant, but just been extremely loyal to that fan base yeah. and to that organization. Great representative for that organization. A, a spectacular representative. Obviously, his he yeah. could retire tomorrow. His jersey should be in the Raptors in the next 365. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I, I just I really uh, I'm very interested to see where he might go. You know, I've heard. Uh, uh, Philly is closing in on something. You know, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, even potentially Miami and, um, you know, several others. You know, if he was to stay with, uh, he was to stay with Portland, I would not be surprised either, even uh, against all of the noise surrounding him. But a spectacular right. player, you know, one of those top 15 point guards, probably a top 20 um, scoring, probably a top 10 scoring guard all time. He's just. Right. He's a pro's pro from what I've heard from, from some buddies. Yeah, he's yeah. Just, a, just a stand-up guy. So I have nothing but respect for him and his legacy. All right, how about James Harden? We know that uh, he wanted out of Houston, fought his way out of mm-hmm. that situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, then it didn't work with the situation in Brooklyn. And then he winds up in Philadelphia, and now he's not going to be there. 
And we heard he might even go back to Houston. I think that's cooled a little bit in the last day or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I heard maybe Phoenix for him, maybe the Clippers, maybe Toronto. Uh, what about the beard? I mean, by far one of the greatest scores we've ever seen in this game. Um with passing ability that's very underrated. Obviously, he does have some assists in his historical stat line that that would mirror, that would mirror that, but it kind of gets overshined by his uh, spectacular ability to put the ball in the hole. Um, I think he makes any team he goes to dangerous. Um, does any team he go to uh, that he goes to become an instant championship contender? I wouldn't say that, but where I would rather have the weapon than not, you know, if it came down to it. And so, you know, I've heard, you know, even Chicago may have a whisper in his ear. and um, You know, the Knicks, if the price is right, I think I read that uh, a couple a couple hours ago or so, something around that. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if he ended up uh, – Making making a, a move that the public might not agree with, but it could trying to win a championship. Uh, it's been uh, tougher than you would think. Going back to the way it looked at Oklahoma City when he and mm-hmm. Durant were on that team, and there's so much mm-hmm. promise, and then it uh, mm-hmm. it never happened that they broke him up. But right, uh, <laughs> Rob, we're listening to Cha talk here, and uh, I don't know if you have the same reaction I do. Uh, I've known him since uh, he was doing camps, going around, and and he was a prodigy, going down to Tennessee, and uh, Pat Summit wanted him down there to do ball handling drills, and he was on uh, the cover of Greater Lansing Sport Magazine when, uh, you know, he hadn't played high school ball yet, and uh, now I one thing about Charles Tucker Jr. I never worried about him. They're athletes who come in, and I think, yeah, you know, he could be really good, but I just hope he stays healthy, and I hope he gets his education. I didn't have to worry about John needing pro ball or that he wasn't smart enough to take advantage of all the opportunities. Tell us what you're doing now in Chicago and uh, some of the some of the interests you have here uh, kind of after basketball. Yeah, so um... – Currently, I'm uh, working in private wealth management. Uh, spent a few years in uh, corporate consulting, kind of traveling around the, the country and the world, helping uh, a lot of uh, CFOs and uh, and their immediate teams with financial transformations. And really wanted to get back on that personal side, uh, but from a boutique standpoint. So, I'm currently working with a, a independent firm, Aaron Wealth Advisors, and uh, we you know we work with you know very sophisticated individuals and multi-generational families that, um, you know, come into the fortunate circumstance of wealth. And so, um, you know, we, you know, have a, have a very personal touch. Um, and I, I really, uh, have enjoyed, uh, being here, uh, working with this firm. I mean, it's been great exposure. It's, uh, you know, we, you know, manage anything from, you know, Ten million to half a billion for a few families, and so 
um, just kind of the intimate atmosphere and really feeling like you're making a difference uh, in, a, in a family's generation or uh, across their generations is, has been very rewarding thus far. So uh, I'm enjoying it, uh, doing some work in the mergers and acquisition side and also helping with some uh, investment strategies for some of our uh, uh, ultra-high net worth clients. So it's been uh, it's been really fun. It's been really fun. Ten million to half a billion, you said. Does that mean that you might re- be representing your dad? Oh man, hey, you know if if uh, if that was the case, you know I would um, <laughs> I'd maybe take two or three years off of work. <laughs> you know, uh, Rob, Chad did a few things with us in studio, and I always thought uh, with his knowledge of the game and his ability to break things down in an analytical way, uh, he would be a terrific analyst, a studio analyst, or even doing uh, games. And I see uh, Jeff Van Gundy. going to say ESPN got, uh, might have some right. openings they're, for him, right? looking for people right now. They just yeah. got rid of Van Gundy. And uh, I see that Jalen Rose, Rose. Yep. got it today. So I don't know if, uh, you know, down the road when you get bored with this, might be something else for you to think about. You know, I'm I'm not uh, closed-minded to too much, and so you know, I'll, I'll always have a you know have some connectivity towards the game, you know, to the game of basketball, and um, you know, just be it the relationships that I've built along my own path or those by way of my father's past, and um, you know, I've all I will always love the game. The game has been spectacular to me i've been able to travel the world because of this game meet friends live in different places and um you know i i will always be doing something with the game i've helped some helped work out some pros over uh you know over a period of several summers uh right. prior specifically prior to covid and um you know so the love is still there you know i still interact i uh, I participate in some of the programs here when the opportunity presents itself, and yeah. you know I'm a I'm a forever fan of the game of basketball. You know I was very blessed to you know play it at a level that um, not many people really get a chance to, and so uh, I'm forever fortunate about that. Always great to talk with you, Cha, and uh, tell Jabari once he gets set with his new NBA team, we want to get him on the show. That sounds like a plan. I'd definitely relay that message to him. Thanks so much. Hey, have a great holiday weekend. We will be back in just a couple of minutes, and we're going to try to put the NHL draft to bed and a couple of trades for the Detroit Red Wings. I'm not really sure what they gave up. It didn't look like much uh, future considerations for a couple of forwards that you know, teams only have so much money to spend, and you get a team that's uh, over the over the cap, over the budget. Uh, they're looking to move some people, and Ken Holland said, "I know a team that can use them." So uh, we'll talk about the Red Wings situation with Helene St. James. She's a former Michigan Sports Writer of the Year, and uh, we'll talk a little bit with her about what's going on with the draft and what the wings did two picks in round one and goalie trey augustine will be a spartan freshman uh 
next season, and uh, he was a second-round pick, number 41. We'll be right back with Aline coming up on The Drive with Jack. Boyne Golf presents Michigan's Magnificent Ten. Ten extraordinary courses set among three incredible resorts with plenty of wide-open spaces where the extra-long days let you play and play and play. And when you're done, a variety of amenities and charming towns await. The golf's so varied, the accommodation's so welcoming, each visits a new experience. So visit BoyneGolf.com to plan your time here. That's BoyneGolf.com. To everyone who enjoys a sweet treat, Culver's team member Brooke is crafting one for you, Wisconsin style. When I serve you a creamy fresh frozen custard treat, it's that handcrafted kind of goodness, like our Simply Sweet cones or dishes, craveably thick shakes, and handcrafted concrete mixers. You know those, it's so good, want a bite kind of treats? Come to Culver's for a Wisconsin favorite made just for you. From, From Wisconsin, Wisconsin with, with love, love, welcome to delicious. Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping experience for Spartan fans with everything you need to show your Michigan State pride. They have the largest and best selection of apparel for the entire family. Nike, Cutter and Buck, Columbia, Champion, plus their two for $38 tees. And you can't miss their great gifts and accessories. Make sure your family is game ready. Check them out in Lansing's Eastwood Town Center or anytime at alumnihall.com. That's Alumni Hall where Spartan fans shop. Time for a career change? Looking to make a difference? Dean Transportation is looking for compassionate people to join our dedicated team of school bus professionals. Dean Transportation has immediate openings and offers paid training to obtain a commercial driver's license. With increased starting pay, benefit packages, flexible scheduling with weekday hours, and more, Dean Transportation may be the career choice for you. No experience needed. Apply now and train all summer. Head to DeanJobs.com. So, it's been a while since you've had your jewelry cleaned and inspected, right? Where will you go and who will you trust with your most valuable and treasured heirlooms? At Meadowar Jewelers' four locations in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage, jewelry isn't just our job, it's our passion. Each and every piece entrusted in our care is thoroughly inspected by our trained staff against damage or normal wear. And we offer you, our customer, the highest level of quality on repairs and custom designs. Whether it's worn-out prongs, channels, or shanks, it's all handled with incredible care. Medawar Jewelers in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage want to help you preserve your memories and offer you options on creating new ones. Come in today for the cleaning and inspection of your jewelry. We continue to work hard every day to earn your confidence and trust. Jack Epling with my good friend Matt Sloan at Graph of Okemos. Matt, I see that the lots are filling up and showroom is too. Yes, finally. Lots are getting full. We're ready to sell some cars, Jack. And you got some new vehicles, some news about the Silverado and the Colorado. That's exactly right. We have the all-new, completely redesigned 2024 three-quarter ton Silverado. And then we also have the all-new, completely redesigned Colorado. Both fantastic vehicles. We're really excited. And then on the Nissan side, we've got the all-electric Aria, which is on the ground right now. That thing is absolutely fantastic. I mean, seen technology like that ever before. Stop and see Matt and the gang on West Grand River in Okemos. They're making friends. 
To everyone who wants a meal made just for you, let our team member Arish share what makes Culver special. We know the best meals are the ones shared with the people you love, like our cooked-to-order butter burgers and our real Wisconsin cheese curds. And there's no better way to treat yourself than our creamy, fresh, frozen custard. I put the same care into your meal that I would for my own family. Come to Culver's for a meal made the Wisconsin way. From From Wisconsin Wisconsin with with love, welcome to Delicious. Welcome back. It is the Drive with Jack Spotlight Radio Network. Jack Ebling here with my producer, Boston Rob. Rob, we have our next guest on the line. We do. Very happy to welcome in Aline St. James of the Detroit Free Press. She's been Michigan Sports Writer of the Year, National Sports Media Association, an organization uh, very fond of and Back in 2017, she was recognized for her excellent work. She's also the author of two books, The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Detroit Red Wings, and uh, the newest one, On the Clock, Behind the Scenes with the Detroit Red Wings at the NHL Draft. Helene, I picked this book up again this week because getting ready for the draft, I was curious and I uh, wanted to go back through some of the stories you told here. Uh, Wings have had an amazing history with the draft, including some of their best players who were not taken high. You want to talk about that? Yeah, they, they have back in the days when, you know, they, they really were ahead of everybody else in scouting uh, not just Northern Europe, but, but going into Russia and in, in taking chances and deciding, for example, in 1989, uh, why not use a fourth-round pick on Sergei Fedorov if if he comes to the United States as he did? Uh, they have what they thought was the best 18-year-old player in the world when they drafted him, and if not, eh, you've squandered a fourth-round pick, which statistically, you know, they they don't turn out uh, all that often. So, uh, right. so yeah, those those days unfortunately are somewhat in the past, but they they've had some absolutely amazing drafts, including 40 years ago, the man who's now in charge of them. Yeah, I'm looking at Pavel Datsuk, uh, sixth-round pick in 98. Of course, Henrik Zetterberg, uh, he was a seventh-round pick in 99. Uh, You don't find uh, gems like this every day, but I want to talk to you a little bit before we get into what's happening now with the Red Wings about your very unusual path. Uh, to your current position, I get asked a lot, you know, uh, how do you make it in this business? How do you stick around a long time? And I say basically two things. You work your tail off and you get a little bit lucky. But I don't know anyone who has had quite the journal that you have. Uh, You were born in Denmark. You grew up in South America, Colombia, right? Yes, yes. Uh, Then you taught English in Taiwan, and then there's a sighting of you in Prague uh, following the Stanley Cup over to Europe for a, a Dominic Hasek's Stanley Cup party. Uh, you've really been an international uh, reporter for hockey and covering how many Olympics now? 
Uh, I believe it's three. It would have been four. But uh, when the NHL pulled out of the last one in Beijing because yeah. of COVID, uh, that kind of uh, nullified my, my reason for going over there as well. So uh, so that was a, a bit of a shame, understandable. But, uh, yeah, I absolutely – you know, and, I, and I've covered some Summer Olympics too and um, in, in Beijing and in Oi, and it's absolutely – uh, I, I, I love the Olympics, I, and, and I love some of the smaller sports. You know, everybody talks about track and field and swimming and yeah. such, but I did a water polo and, uh, you know, motocross. I covered some of them, and and it's just it's just so much fun to see and, and see the enthusiasm from everybody, how excited young athletes are to be there competing in such a – you know, the, I don't know that there's a sporting event with the same global history, you know, that you can really match yeah. – uh, as, as the Olympics. Well, uh, growing up in Denmark, okay, I can see uh, a love of hockey there, but uh, or you were born in Denmark. But growing up in Colombia, uh, don't think you had too many rinks there. And then you were teaching English in Taiwan. Uh, what were those experiences like? Uh, Taiwan, was, it was very, very interesting. Uh, you know, this was... Uh, a little bit of a time time ago, but uh, it, it was just it was fascinating, you know, immersing myself in a culture where that was just so different. And uh, I certainly don't speak Chinese, and right. you know, it was the same experience at the Olympics in '08. I mean, you go anywhere in Europe, uh, any other European, you know, uh, French, German, Italian, uh, you can make out enough words, even if you don't yeah. know the language, that you understand it. But it, in in Chinese and also in Russia in 2014, you you hear press conferences in Russian or Chinese, and you're like, there's no word that you can latch on to. Uh, so it's, it's, it's just interesting from, from that standpoint. And when I was in the Czech Republic uh, with the Stanley Cup in 2002, I, I had to drive at one point, and, um, and, and uh, you know, I just had to go by what I recognized the characters to be. It wasn't like I could read them. So you just, you know, to your point earlier, how do you get started? Uh, work very hard try and get your foot in the door and, and then you just have to be adaptable to, to everything. You know, I, I know for right. both of us that the business is so different from when we started. Right. I mean, now it's oh, yeah. 24 hours of feeding the web and, um, right. and you know, it, it's just, it, it's so different uh, from when we started. You mentioned the Stanley cups in 2008 and uh, for a lot of franchises, uh, that wouldn't seem that long for the Red Wings. Once they got it going, and, uh, you know, 97 and 98 and then 02 and 08, this has been a while now. This is 15 years. When are the Red Wings going to be a contender again and at least uh, in a conference final? Do you have an idea of what that timetable might be? Well, I think Steve Eisenman has been very smart since he, since the moment he came back on the 19th of April in 2019 to say, He's not going to put a timeline or a time frame on, on anything like that. And I think first they've just got to get back into the playoffs. And, yeah. you know, they, they made some strides this past season. But it was disappointing. You know, they were inside the playoff picture, and then they go to Ottawa for those two games and just get absolutely demolished. And then yeah. by the time the week ends, Tyler Bertuzzi is gone, Philip Ronick is gone, um, and then the season peters out like it has for the past six, seven years now. It's It's disappointing, and I think – you know, Steve Eisenman, I mean, he has such a good reputation here in Detroit. I think people are going to cut him, give him a lot yeah. of patience. But at the same time, 
you know, you, you saw, I, I don't right. remember what the numbers were, but, but when Chicago won the draft lottery, they sold millions of dollars worth of, of season tickets the next day because yeah. suddenly people in Chicago knew, oh, now Connor Bedard's coming in. And the Wings, you know, I mean, it's, it's just it's such a shame Steve Eisenman has had to rebuild this team. And even going back to when Ken Holland was in charge, without ever getting a top three pick. I mean, that's just, it really sets you back when you don't get access. He, Steve has made some phenomenal picks, in, especially in Lord Sider at number six in 2019. But, you know, they, they've been robbed of having access to guys like Jack Hughes, Owen Powell, Rasmus Dahlin, um, Connor Bedard this year. That it's just That just really makes it harder. Um, you know, I mean, Buffalo and New Jersey have both had two number one picks in the past six or seven years, it's, that's why they're significantly ahead in their rebuilds. I think a lot of people thought that anything Steve Eiserman touched would turn to gold, uh, the way that finished up his playing career here and the longevity and consistency of it. And then his success, Tampa Bay, and he got there, and uh, they had a pretty good foundation in place with uh, Steven Stamkos and Victor Hedman and, uh, he did nothing but improve that. But when, when he came in in 2019, I think most fans figured that within four years they would at least be in the playoffs. Is next year the year? Well, let's hope so. I, I certainly think it's more fun when they, when they make it there. You know, you have to look at within their division, too. Now, maybe Boston drops out and you think, uh, Tampa, uh, their window seems to be closing somewhat. Now, it's, you know, I mean, Florida, I know they were the eighth seed this year, but they they underachieved in the regular season and looked more like what we thought they would like in the playoffs and going all the way to the final. Florida has a good team that's going to be around. Toronto's going to be around the playoffs. So then you have, you know, a third place and a wild card spot, uh, two wild card spots. It's just, it's not just how good are the wings, it's who are they up against, you know, and um, and that's that's where you know I think it's gonna it's going it's going to continue to be tough for them, especially you know they need somebody who can score. Uh, they need to, you know it's some very unfortunate things didn't work out with Jacob Rana because that's who he was. He was just one of the their best yeah. goal scorer uh, by far, and they traded Tyler Bertuzzi, and that was that was a trade Steve had to make. I mean, it made no sense to keep a guy and then potentially lose him in free agency for nothing. He got a first-round pick that maybe can be turned into something else. But, you know, the, the thing is, when Steve was a player, there were 10 fewer teams or five, six fewer teams and no salary cap. And now there are 32 teams and the salary cap, and everybody's trying to get better. And everybody has scouts absolutely everywhere. Uh, so it's just it, it's it's so much more of a challenge than it used to be. All right, let's talk about the two first-round picks this week, starting with Nate Danielson. Uh, what does he bring, and how long before he might be able to help the big club? Uh, probably a couple of years still. I mean, he's a number nine pick, not a, not a you know, it, it's really too bad they couldn't even have gotten second or third and gotten Fantilio Carlson. But I think Danielson was a fairly safe pick. You know, there were maybe some guys who looked like they could score more down the road in in, um, in a Perot or a Matthew Wood. But, 
Danielson, they needed a center, and he, he's a center, and he's very responsible. He's the type of player coaches love because he'll do whatever is asked of him, and, and he's he plays a safe game in his own zone. So I think a little bit along the lines of, you know, a Michael Rasmussen, who was the number nine pick in 2017. So not probably the future first-line center, uh, which is something they need. But considering where they picked, um, I think a good choice. All right, what about the second first-round pick? That was number 17, right, with the big defenseman? Yes, Axel Sandin Palica, the one he drove from New York to uh, to Nashville when the weather disrupted his flight. So, yeah, right there he shows determination. Uh, so, you know, a big, uh, good uh, right-shot defenseman has, uh, really likes to play with the puck, I, I think, I would guess, at least a couple of years away. I mean, even... Moritz Seider, you know, he spent his first year in the organization playing the AHL. And then because of COVID, spent a year in Sweden, which turned out to be really, really good for his development. But, you know, defense is just such a hard position to come in and play right away in the NHL. That, um, but, but I think he, he, he's, good, he's good to have in their farm system somebody who, you know, down the road can, can, really, um, can, can really probably help them offensively from the back end as well is, is what they're hoping. Helene, uh, Trey Augustine from the development team and uh, going to be Michigan State's starting goaltender, barring the unforeseen for the next couple of years, taken in the second round, pick 41, uh, what's the Wings' feelings about him, and why was he an important get? You know, it, it's funny Steve said about him, you know, he just he looks good in the net, which is, you know, not just such a basic <laughs> thing, description of, of a goaltender, but but he really does. I think they like, they like how calm he is. Uh, mm-hmm. That's something that I think for the most part goalies either have or, or don't ha- have. And um, the way he handled himself in the gold medal game at, at the U18s, was really, really impressive. And when you have that kind of mental foundation and then really good skills, uh, that's, you know, it, it speaks pretty highly of him that they wanted to take him all the way up at, at number 41. Uh, so, and, and, you know, to their benefit, um, they, they watch that NCDP team all the time uh, in, in Livonia or, or Plymouth, rather, that, that they can just right. go out there. So that's, you know, that's 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 a great way for them to scout guys like that. So I know they they were they watched him a lot and, and really really liked what they saw. We're talking with Helene St. James from the Detroit Free Press. Helene, when you think about the areas on this team where they need the most help, uh, can you rank them one, two, three between forwards, defense, and goal? Well, just uh, in terms of free agency. Uh, I mean, I guess just kind of by default, you have to say that they need to have a goaltender in the first spot because you don't have goaltending. It doesn't matter how much you can score or anything else. Yeah. So they need somebody who can tandem with Vila Huso. And then they really, I mean, they really do need a goal scorer. And then they need a right shot defenseman to come in and replace um, Philip Ronick because none of the guys they drafted are going to be uh, doing that in any, in any near future. And, you know the thing about Ronick is too. He 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 created offense. He he was he was good with the puck back there. He was good at getting his shot through. He was good at setting up the power play and such. So that's that's something that they'll they'll miss. And it's not a very exciting free agent market. So um, I think Steve is going to have to decide: is he willing to pay a little more? 
And I think, you know, it's, it's easy to spend other people's money, but you'd almost rather pay a little more and keep the term down because it's just so tough once you get into handcuffing yourself to players for for long term. And, you know, we've seen that today um, with some of the Nashville buying out Matt Duchesne. I think he's going to be on the books until 20, 28, 29, um, that sometimes you just have to undo prior regimes, signings, or even your own um, in order to give yourself more flexibility so, but I would say goaltending, uh, scoring, and then a right shot defenseman. And and Steve May, you know, I mean, for a couple of weeks now, there's been chatter about Alex DeBrincat in Ottawa, a guy he's from Farmington Hills, 25 years old, two-time 41-goal scorer. What makes that one tough is, you know, for the Senators to send a guy, a 40-goal scorer, to another team in their division. That's going to be, it's hard to trade within the division, but. Yeah. Certainly, age-wise, uh, he fits better into what Steve is trying to accomplish. But I'm not sure if Steve wants to pay uh, what Ottawa would want in order to to deal him within the division. And what would that be? What is Ottawa looking for? Well, like, I think they want at least a, a first-round pick. Uh, you know, the Wings will have their own next year in the one from Boston, uh, which is top ten protected. So I don't know. Um, I don't know if. if if they'd be willing to to give that up, uh, and the thing is, you know, other other teams are going to be interested in DeBrincat as well. So, I think um, Dorian there is just the GM is playing it smart and seeing how high he can drive up the price. And you know, once teams come out of free agency this weekend and see, okay, this is how much we still need to do. Um, you know, he he's in a good position there in in Ottawa with being able to, I think, really get a maximum a maximum price for him. All right. Uh, in terms of players on the roster right now who you think could make a major leap, uh, maybe do something we haven't seen yet, is there someone the fans should be watching? Well, I'm curious to see what Marco Casper can do uh, over in, in exhibition season. You know, we only saw one game of from him. Uh, he had a bit of a lower uh, lower body leg injury that that prevented him from playing anymore. But I'm curious to see what he can do. He, he's very, very smart, very patient with the puck. Um, I think we've got to look for, they've got to hope that Lucas Raymond has a bit of a rebound season. I mean, he, he dipped in yeah. his second year, which isn't a, which isn't unusual. So did Dylan Larkin, but he really needs to to show way more. And I think Jonathan Bergeron is on a really good path. I mean, he, he came in and, and demanded with his play to be on the team, and they had him slotted probably, you know, to play another season in Grand Rapids. So um, those would probably be some, some of the names that, um, you know, we'll see what they do in free agency. But um, but those would be the names, I think, that that, um, that would be the ones we'd watch in training camp and see, okay, uh, maybe a Carter Masur who had a, a really good uh, showing at the World Championship as well. Um, you know, can he come in and, and push for a spot? It's just none of these guys are, you know, the superstars that that they need uh, in order to push them to the next level. But, you know, player, players will make them better, but they still need they need that superstar center, um, you know, that that they had in Steve Eisenman, that they had in Sergei Fedorov. And those were the elite of the elite, but just they, they need they need better players than they have right now to put it at its most basic. 
Well, I think there have been times in Red Wings history where that was the case. And uh, it was interesting the other night uh, when Jim Nill was recognized uh, by the National Hockey League as the general manager of the year of all of his contributions now in Dallas. But back to his days with the Red Wings and talk about Datsuk and Zetterberg, uh, those were kind of his guys, his finds. And uh, that turned out all right. But, you know, you've got to go all the way back. It's been an amazing career for a guy who maybe didn't get all the credit that uh, he was due when he was here. I, oh, they, they thought very, very highly of Jim Nill here. It's just they weren't, you know, Ken Holland had the job, and uh, they weren't, weren't going to hold Jim Nill back from getting an offer yeah. uh, from another team, just like uh, – you know, when Steve got the job offer from, from Tampa Bay back in 20, uh, 2010. So it's it certainly wasn't for lack of appreciation with, uh, for, for Jim Nell. He, he's very, very highly thought of within the Detroit Red Wings organization. And, you know, he, he, he did a fantastic job running the draft. But, you know, you really also have to credit all the scouts. And that was Hawken Anderson, who, um, you know, he, he's really their, their super scout in Sweden who saw some of these guys. And, and he's great at seeing through because you know these these guys are 17 18 years old i mean even the ones who are tall they're string beans you know and it's and jim Nell is actually the one in, in that book he has a great line about saying you know he he couldn't have predicted what his own kids were going to be at 17 18 years old right, right. And here you are trying to guess it about somebody you've only known for a, a month or so um it's it's hard to make those pick and hawken anderson was also the one who uh, was one of the few who had set eyes on, on Pavel Datsuk, and there's he talks in, in my book about how um, he was going into Russia someplace in um, in winter, and he said, you know, he's sitting on the plane and, and it's snowing and sleeting and freezing cold, and he hears this enormous noise, and he looks out, and the way they de-iced the plane, he said it looked like a giant hair dryer, and, you know, they were shooting flames at it, and he's thinking, that's where all the fuel is, you know, and I think ultimately they ended up... Uh, <laughs> Not taking off, so he only got eyes on him, on Powell once. But uh, that's that's some some of the adventures you you undertake when you're a scout to see players anywhere in the world. So, um, so yeah, it, it takes it takes a very very good scouting staff, uh, along with a shoot uh, management to um, to make the right picks. And you know we can we we can look back every year year or two behind and realize how much guesswork it still is. Uh, you know that. That in 2020, when the Wings uh, criminally were pushed back to picking fourth after being the absolute worst team in the league, uh, Lucas Raymond has turned out to be a better and more complete player than Alexis yeah. Lafreniere, who went first. And if right, you were going right. to pick anybody first there, uh, you take Stutzler, uh, who went third, the, the center. So, you know, for, right. for as, as much uh, experience as everybody has, it is ultimately just so much guesswork. Yeah, very, very inexact science. But the book, uh, On the Clock, Behind the Scenes with the Detroit Red Wings, a lot of great stories about how players were discovered, how they became Red Wings. Helene, uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, enjoy the season. I hope it lasts longer for you. Thank you. My pleasure. Anytime. We will be right back, and we're going to end the week as we always do with Jay Green, proud Flintstone, former MSU receiver, Spartan DogCon coming to town again. We'll talk about that and much, much more here on The Drive with Jack.
When you want Spartan gear, Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping destination. They always deliver the best and newest selection of apparel for the whole family. Nike, Cutter & Buck, Columbia, Champion, plus accessories, Yeti, hats, and all things Spartan. Spartan students, faculty, and military enjoy 10% off in-store every day. Check them out in Lansing or at alumnihall.com to make sure you are game ready. It's Alumni Hall, where Spartan fans shop. To everyone who wants a meal made just for you, let our team member Arish share what makes Culver's special. We know the best meals are the ones shared with the people you love, like our cooked-to-order butter burgers and our real Wisconsin cheese curds. And there's no better way to treat yourself than our creamy, fresh, frozen custard. I put the same care into your meal that I would for my own family. Come to Culver's for a meal made the Wisconsin way. From, From Wisconsin, Wisconsin with love, welcome to Delicious. Time for a career change? Looking to make a difference? Dean Transportation is looking for compassionate people to join our dedicated team of school bus professionals. Dean Transportation has immediate openings and offers paid training to obtain a commercial driver's license. With increased starting pay, benefit packages, flexible scheduling with weekday hours, and more, Dean Transportation may be the career choice for you. No experience needed. Apply now and train all summer. Head to DeanJobs.com. So, it's been a while since you've had your jewelry cleaned and inspected, right? Where will you go and who will you trust with your most valuable and treasured heirlooms? At Meadowar Jewelers' four locations in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage, jewelry isn't just our job, it's our passion. Each and every piece entrusted in our care is thoroughly inspected by our trained staff against damage or normal wear. And we offer you, our customer, the highest level of quality on repairs and custom designs. Whether it's worn-out prongs, channels, or shanks, it's all handled with incredible care. Medawar Jewelers in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage want to help you preserve your memories and offer you options on creating new ones. Come in today for the cleaning and inspection of your jewelry. We continue to work hard every day to earn your confidence and trust. Boyne Golf presents Michigan's Magnificent Ten. Ten extraordinary courses set among three incredible resorts with plenty of wide open spaces where the extra long days let you play and play and play. And when you're done, a variety of amenities and charming towns await. The golf's so varied, the accommodation's so welcoming, each visits a new experience. So visit BoyneGolf.com to plan your time here. That's BoyneGolf.com. Jack Epling with my good friend Matt Sloan at Graph of Okemos. Matt, I see that the lots are filling up and showroom is too. Yes, finally. Lots are getting full. We're ready to sell some cars, Jack. And you got some new vehicles, some news about the Silverado and the Colorado. That's exactly right. We have the all-new, completely redesigned 2024 three-quarter ton Silverado. And then we also have the all-new, completely redesigned Colorado. Both fantastic vehicles. We're really excited. And then on the Nissan side, we've got the all-electric Aria, which is on the ground right now. That thing is absolutely fantastic. I seen technology like that ever before. Stop and see Matt and the gang on West Grand River in Okemos. They're making friends. 
To everyone who enjoys a sweet treat, Culver's team member Brooke is crafting one for you, Wisconsin style. When I serve you a creamy fresh frozen custard treat, it's that handcrafted kind of goodness, like our simply sweet cones or dishes, craveably thick shakes, and handcrafted concrete mixers. You know those, it's so good, want a bite kind of treats? Come to Culver's for a Wisconsin favorite made just for you. From From Wisconsin Wisconsin with with love, love, welcome to Delicious. Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping experience for Spartan fans with everything you need to show your Michigan State pride. They have the largest and best selection of apparel for the entire family. Nike, Cutter and Buck, Columbia, Champion, plus their two-for-38-dollar tees. And you can't miss their great gifts and accessories. Make sure your family is game-ready. Check them out in Lansing's Eastwood Town Center or anytime at alumnihall.com. That's Alumni Hall where Spartan fans shop. Welcome back. It is The Drive with Jack, Spotlight Radio Network. Jack Ebling here with my producer, Boston Rob. Rob, uh, we'll definitely get you out to Moneyball next week, not on Tuesday. No. Because of the 4th of July, but next Thursday night we'll plan on that. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. I will be your Uber driver. I will take you <laughs> home. Um, you get your way over there. We will make sure that you get home to the lovely Pat. I uh, want to welcome in our next guest, Jay Green, proud Flintstone, and uh, Michigan State receiver. Uh, you got some interesting things going on over there with Spartan Dog Con, right? Yeah. Uh, end of End of July. They've incorporated a golf outing now with Spartan Dog Con. So then they have something uh, that we don't know about. It's some kind of surprise that they got for us. So it's just always exciting, you know, to kind of see, you know, the guys when you get together and, you know, just kind of reminisce and have fun. And then we get to interact with some of the recruits, I think, this year to be for the 25 class. So, it's all yeah, it's always a fun time. So how many players come back? It seems like more each year uh, taking an interest in this. Uh, how many dogs are you getting back? Man, that's a, that's a great question. I think that with the golf outing being incorporated, I expect this to be probably the biggest golf outing that we've ever had. Um, I would say maybe 200. Little, little bit under two hundred, I would expect will will be back. Uh, and like you said, it's gotten bigger and bigger every year. I'm not sure what the what the numbers were last year, but I know it was well over a hundred. So yeah, it'll be an exciting time, definitely. Hey Rob, uh, this is another place that we should be to do a remote of this show, and I know just the guy who can help us do the, do this. Uh, it's something to do with uh, SD4L. We're going to contact him. Indeed. And uh, some guy named Jay let, Green. Yeah, let, let's see. If we, we can we can probably make that happen at the, at the golf outing for sure. I'll, I'll check yeah. into that for you. Uh, before that, though, during the month of July, uh, you're going to be having brunch on me over at One North. You know that, right? Definitely. No, no hurry. Whenever I, I know you busy on Sundays working with on your show, so whenever we get a chance, there's no hurry. Okay, okay. 
Sounds good to me. I want to talk a little bit about uh, Moneyball and the freshmen coming in. Have you ever had your vertical measured? Sometimes uh, (laughs) players do that and sometimes they just guess. But have you ever actually had someone say, okay, that's uh, 32 inches, that's uh, 28 inches, whatever the case may be? Never had my vertical measured. Never. Well, it was so high, they didn't have the equipment to test it. <laughs> I, I could jump, but I, I, I wouldn't say all that. <laughs> well, we saw Cohen Carr last night take off. And a couple of plays, one was on a pass from fellow freshman Garrick Normand. And he was up way beyond the top of the square for the basket, so... I don't know. That was 12 feet. And uh, bringing that ball in, fans are going to go absolutely crazy watching him. A little bit the way they did with Jason Richardson. But uh, this guy is even more of a uh, of an advanced dunker at this stage. Uh, I remember talking to Jason uh, about his days in Saginaw. And the first time he dunked, and he'd been trying to do it, and all of a sudden... He was alone on the playground, and uh, he just went up and up and up and, and dunked it. And I think he was 5'9 at the time. And he ran all the way home to get his uncle to tell him, and um, I don't know whether he believed it or not, but he dragged him back out there to watch him do it again. So, That's always you remember your first thing. Yes. Yeah. I definitely remember, remember my first dunk. dunk. Yes, I do. Eighth grade. I was 14, I think, and it, I was. That's a that's an exciting time. That is definitely an exciting time. That's kind of like one of those things that you, you know, anybody who plays basketball like that's that's something that you want to do. And when you finally get there, because you, it's one of those things also that you realize everybody can't do. So you kind of feel special right. when you're able to do it, and then, no, no, that that's, I definitely remember my first dunk. Rob, I think my first dunk was a French dip. I had a bowl of that juice. <laughs> no, I was going to say right I'm 47. There. I'm still trying to work on mine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so now the official visits, Jay, for mm-hmm. MSU football. These June visits are done, and uh, now they just have to wait and see. They've gotten some commitments, or up to nine pledges. Doesn't mean they're going to be here. Doesn't mean they're going to be great, but it means that their current intent is to be Spartans. But they have a lot more players who they brought in, and they're still looking around, some of the bigger names. And uh, if this turns out the way that uh, a lot of people over in the football building think it could, then all of this angst about, oh, Michigan State's not doing a good job recruiting. They've only got three guys, and they don't have anybody from the state of Michigan and and all this. This will have been for naught because they're in position to have a pretty good collection. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you just kind of let things play out. You know, I think that, a lot of guys, and I, I actually went to the cookout that they had last Saturday, you know, for the recruits. I stopped over there for a minute, and you could just kind of tell how comfortable people are 
you know, when when they seem to be around and, you know, like I always say, we always talk about it being a family atmosphere. And I think a lot of times that's what people gravitate to. Now, the unfortunate thing is, is, you know, that's not the only part of it. You know, money has been become a big part of recruiting. So that's kind of one of those things that, you know, like you'll have a kid that'll come here and he'll love it. But then if, if the money don't make sense, then they're going chase the money as opposed to going somewhere where, you know, that, that they really like. When did that start to change, if it did, if indeed it's not quite the way it used to be? Do you remember when that really took hold? I would say recently because money, you know, money has always been a part of college sports, but when it became sure. legally, I think is when it when it really you know, kind of went out of whack. I think guys, you know, in the past have been paid to go to certain schools, but I don't think it was, mm-hmm. you know, as as wide a scale as it is now. You know, you might right. you might get one or two guys maybe that might get somebody to go to a school, but now, you know, you're talking about they got they need money for the whole recruiting class almost. So I, I think that when it right. when it became legal for them to do that, I think is what it kind of you know just really got out of control. When you came to Michigan State, uh, we're talking about, uh, what, 1990, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, how many players would you guess in the Big Ten uh, per school were getting something, uh, you know, uh, more than free meals or something like that, something significant? How many players were, were really getting taken care of? Well, I, I would say as far as in the conference, I would say you probably it, it would depend on the school, really, is is what I would say because I don't think that it was necessarily happening everywhere because back then, you yeah. know, yeah. you you got you got paid for results pretty much, <laughs> you know, it wasn't just a a thing where you were coming in and, and they giving you all this money. That that's one of the things that happened. You know, you you had special guys who probably got paid before they got to school, but for the most part, it was after you came and you produced. And, you know, back then it was more so agents who were, you know, giving guys money. So, you know, agents not agents wouldn't give you money if they felt like, you know, you wasn't going to get anything out of it, right? Exactly. Exactly. So them to them, it was kind of like an investment. So, you know, that was the the big thing then was agents. You know, you have boosters here and there, but they weren't doing anything like what the agents are doing or were doing. And now it's organized. I mean, they can say, well, the school can't. Uh, administer the collective, but I would basically, you know, it's all, it's all Spartans or Buckeyes or Wolverines or whatever the case may be, pulling together the same aim to get the best talent pool to try to win. And uh, I don't know if that was the original intent or not. We heard about athletes sharing in the pool and a uh, piece of the pie and having some access to money that uh, they did not have previously or didn't have legally previously. And I don't know that anyone thought it was going to be what it's turned into. Maybe they should have. No, I, I, I a lot of times feel like the NCAA did this intentionally because they kept getting so much pressure from people yeah. to pay athletes, yeah. you know, and, and they just kind of, you know, I feel like they got to a point where they just kind of threw their hands in there, especially when all of these yeah. – you know, court cases were going against them, and you didn't, 
you know, I remember Ed O'Bannon, you know, he had a court case that he won, and then it just kind of like went downhill from there. And I think they just kind of threw their hands up because the one thing that we know about the NCAA is when they do something, they want to make sure that they that they ha- have their hand on it and can control it the way that they want to control it. And for them to do it, not do that with this, just you know, kind of that that's where where my thinking comes from is that you know that they just kind of threw their hands up and was like, well, here you go, just deal with it. And now it's yeah. out of control. Not an issue is going to be trying to reel it back in. So. How do you get the toothpaste back in the tube? Well, I, I've seen some things where they trying to get Congress involved to to, and I don't know exactly what they can do, but I think it, you know, I, I, if you put a rule in place, people have to follow it. Well, they don't have to follow it, but you know, I, I, I believe that they will to a certain extent. And and if it's not, if they put it, I, I feel like they should just put a cap on what. You can what you can do for for each class is what I believe. I, I I've heard people talk about you know they should get part of the TV money and all of that, which you know I th- I think that's a great idea too. But I think that you got to put a cap on it. I think we've talked about before how you know both the NFL and the NBA had to put rookie salary caps because they were giving guys all this money and weren't producing. And I think that you know we've seen it already happen. You know, Texas A&M bought the the number one recruiting class in the country and don't have anything to show for it. And matter of fact, they coach is on the hot seat. You know, so yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, it's kind of interesting to see where it might go now. Talk of maybe uh, bigger schools will break away, have their own organization, but uh, NCAA was basically stripped of its enforcement ability. Not that that was ever great. I didn't have subpoena power and uh, couldn't compel testimony. Uh, But when it couldn't enforce the rules, it's one thing to have rules, Jay. But if they're just statements on paper and there are no real sanctions or punishments with them, what good are the rules? I agree, and and I think that the thing about that is that now everything is about money. You know, every everybody wants to make money, so it's, it's kind of hard to kind of govern that. Even the NCAA, I mean, you th- you look at the fact that they make over a billion dollars just off of one a tournament that lasts a month. Yeah. You well, know, I always say so, follow the money, and money can be one of the great evils, <laughs> a necessary evil in some cases, but it's the pursuit of money and uh, the avarice that comes with that that can be our undoing and i'm thinking about now with the collectives and the people who are going to be very unhappy when the athletes that they are subsidizing are not playing the pressures that are going to be put on coaches hey you know you wanted our help with this we given this guy two hundred thousand or whatever the case is more than that and you don't even have them in the game. Well, the problem now is you. I can hear that coming in. I can hear the pressure on players uh, to make good of this, the mental health issues that go along with it. And uh, you're going to get some very disgruntled boosters who, frankly, they want to return on their investment, as every business does. 
No doubt. And and you, especially when you figure a lot of those people who that are boosters are in business. So they are, they used to get in return, you know, on their investment. So I, I just think again, that they need to put some kind of cap on it so that, you know, I think that's the only way that it's going the playing field is going to remain even. Of course, I feel like you still going to have the under the table stuff that goes on, but that's always, you know, been a thing. It, it just, when when you when you say that you can openly do this, it just you know it just looks different than when you actually have a rule in place and you are you know e- even if you're not enforcing that rule just because it's in place, I feel like people kind of take heed to it until they figure out that you know no enforcement is taking place, which you know that could that could be some time. So yeah, yeah, uh, we know the honor system is not the answer here. There's no honor among thieves. And uh, as, as long as there's that much money out there to be gained uh, by success, some people are going to get on the sniff. Uh, Jay, thanks so much yeah. for joining us. Always great to talk with you, and I'll get back to you about that brunch date. Definitely. want to thank all of our guests today. Another big week, Rob. Uh, Desmond Ferguson, Mr. Moneyball, the Moneyball Pro-Am Summer League, began last night. Continuing in the first week in August. And also, he is a 2023 inductee into the Greater Lansing Area Sports Hall of Fame. Corey Robinson from 24-7 Sports Spartan Tailgate Premium Site. Weighing in on football recruiting. Charles Cha-Cha Tucker Jr. He is, of course, from our Lansing Eastern standout. Now doing great things in investments in Chicago. More money than I will ever see. Uh, Helene St. James from the Detroit Free Press, uh, author, her latest book about the Red Wings draft, uh, On the Clock, and Jay Green, proud Flintstone, talking about the current state of collegiate athletics and what it means to be a Spartan dog. See you on Press Pass Sunday night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.